what is up everyone and welcome to another episode of subjectively speaking my name is jeremy and i'm laura and this is episode 39 game 48 the columbus blue jackets versus the florida panthers for the eighth and final time in this shortened dumpster fire of a season where the blue jackets for the seventh time in a row lost five to one my god are we bad do you know what's fun about this episode's number and the number of games um no uh well this is episode 39 which is the number of points the blue jackets have in 48 games <laughs> um that was funny you read that and i was like looking at the standings and i was like oh wait like that's kind of funny so yeah the blue jackets lose five to one um I, yeah i mean i don't really know what to say other than the fact that like and this might not mean a lot to a lot of our listeners. I don't know how big of like Calgary Flames and or Florida Panthers fans y'all are who are listening, but but Sam Bennett is like eating us for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in this series, <laughs> or did eat us for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in this series. Um, but Jack Roslovic scores one goal, two goals if somebody can say onside. Um, so the Blue Jackets lose five one. There's not really much else to say other than the fact, do you want to hear, I know you saw the tweet, but. They also lost yesterday. Yeah, but we don't need to talk. I mean, like, listen, like, let's just. Four two. I honestly don't even know. I don't even know. I couldn't have told you the score of that game. <laughs> if you like what a force name. So get this. Hmm. Tonight was the 11th time in Blue Jackets history that the opposing team started a goaltender for their first NHL start. In those 10, in those 10 games prior to tonight, those goaltenders were 9-1 and one with a 9.24 save percentage and a 2.30 goals allowed average, and that wasn't even as good as Spencer Knight was. Like that, like Spencer Knight was actually pretty good tonight. I mean, like, granted, we didn't really like make him try that hard. He, well, I say that he saved 31 shots, so 33 shots. I'm actually surprised that we didn't gift him a shutout for his NHL debut. I've been surprised by, by, well, no, that phrase makes no sense to me. To say that I've been surprised by last, it's like, well, yeah, like that means you're surprised. I'm not surprised. All, all that to say. But yes, Spencer Knight um, is brand new out of Boston College. Um, can't say the kid's not good. Like he's coming off of pretty spectacular final season in college. Was up for a bunch of awards. Um, you know, he's good stuff. Signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Panthers. Um, yeah, and we just like gave him the best memory of his life. A yeah, one victory, you know, 
And honestly, we were, we lost to their like D team. They had like 12 people as healthy scratches tonight. Yeah. I was listening to the game tonight as opposed to watching it. And Bob McGilligate was listing off all the healthy scratches. And literally it was like half of the regular roster for the Panthers. And we still lost. Like there was a moment where I was pretty excited when they said Patrick Hornquist wasn't going to be playing tonight. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's one less dude to like make our lives a living hell. Um, yeah, no, didn't even matter. Didn't even matter. One bit. Not one. And what's sad is like, I do, I do really feel like they played well yesterday. They just could not find the back of the net to save their life. Um, but they did, they played, they played fairly well yesterday. And, you know, today, just as per usual, was just a whole lot of, I, back and forth. I was kind of shocked that Torrance left Corpy out there, but at this point, whose dignity are we saving by like pulling him? Well, and it's also like you're not at that point trying to win a hockey game, and it's also like why, why risk throwing Elvis out there? Because it's, I mean, again, like I think there are probably a couple of goals that Corby wants back tonight. Like I felt that way about him all season. Like I feel like his rebound control tonight wasn't great, but at the same time, like what you throw Elvis out there to have to try to feel like he he needs to be Superman and make crazy saves and, and mess around and hurt himself and it's like what do you gain from that like nothing at all well yeah especially because he'd be going out cold and like right. just risk injury yeah so. i think the only time to do that is i get trying to save your goaltenders like confidence and that kind of deal but I, the only time you do that in my opinion is if you've got a chance at winning the game by making that change yeah and guess what We did not. And Laura, to your point about Florida having players out and like expecting to, you know, have a better performance, I I need to read some names to you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Are you just reading one specific name that we texted around no. today? No. Or are you reading the list of people who were out for Florida? No, I'm just gonna say some names. Okay. And I need you to tell me why we weren't able to handle Florida in the way that you're describing. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Gavin Bayreuther, Josh Dunn, Stefan Mateau, Ryan McInnes, Cole Sherwood. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, these are not, if you're playing, like, these, none of these players are, are, or started the season as, as roster guys I mean, really if you actually want to be you know even even more inclusive in that list I mean like Zach Dalby um you know letting in Kukin has struggled to stay in the lineup when the team is healthy and playing well so it's like 
annoying scoobs. Lettinen, he's like the only one that didn't play in Cleveland. Yeah, because he just got traded and then he didn't, he stayed on the taxi squad. Like he was assigned to the taxi squad when he got here. And yeah, I mean, and he like, he led the team in ice time tonight, which is just so weird to me. I like him. I do too. It's just like, where did that come from? You know, but obviously like that move that they made to get him was on purpose. Of course it was. That's such yeah. a dumbass thing for me to say. What horrible commentary. Yeah, they did that on purpose. <laughs> no shit, Jeremy. Jesus. No, he just showed up one day. Um, no, it's just, it's, you know, we've talked about this before about, you know, leveling our expectations. Like, obviously we're not anticipating, you know, a whole lot. We've known our season's been over for a while now. And but it's still disheartening to see just the sort of plummet. Um, I think it's really disheartening for the small amount of veteran players that we do have on our team now. Um, You know, and I know that none of them have had great seasons, like, this year um but I think about Cam and Seth and Oliver um you know and just like how they have to be feeling and Corpy too you know how they have to be feeling going into that locker room every night after these last seven losses and you know, having to, to realize like, oh, like this, this is where we are right now. And like not having that, not having that support, but then also still having to be the support for all the new and younger guys that are playing on the team. Like, you know, Seth said the other day, and, you know, I think it was either it was post-game or pre-game, they all get mixed up at this point. But, you know, he said that he and Cam, you know, have been meeting more and like trying to figure out what they can do because they are literally standing alone in this in this situation. Like we talked about the other day, you know, it was weird because they're both wearing the A's for every game now. And it's because the realization of Nick and Boone being gone I mean, Boone's not gone, gone. He's still a blue jacket, but he's out for the rest of the season. He's injured. Um, And, you know, Riley Nash is gone. He was a veteran in the room. David Savard, gone, veteran in the room. Um, You know, and even even some of the the older veteran-ish players are – still new like still new like Michael Delzato yeah he's a veteran player this is his first year as a Blue Jacket you know Zach Delby has played most of his time in the AHL but he's also technically a veteran player and he even said the other night in his interview that he doesn't necessarily feel comfortable trying to take on that role in the locker room because 
he hasn't been up at this level as much as other people like yeah he's an older guy and he's played a lot of hockey um but he doesn't feel like he has the confidence to you know do that and I don't know what Oliver's like in the locker room I feel like Oliver might be kind of quiet um but you know there's just no there's literally no strong leadership presence anymore um and that it shows it it very much so shows and now we're just quickly becoming like kind of the laughing stock of everything I mean we are one we have one less loss than Buffalo right now um and I just I'm I'm not sure we're gonna win another game yeah, at this point, I mean the the poll you put up on our on our Twitter, which I laughed at, which was like ten games left. How many of these ten are we going to win? You're like more than five, less than five, absolutely zero. More people voted for absolutely zero than I would have thought. Um, just because and they're being God, proven correct. So that far. would be impressive, almost. I mean, so I as you were you know chatting there, I was curious to see what like blue jackets losing streaks have looked like in the past and so currently the blue jackets they have a seven game losing streak the last time they had a seven game losing streak was in 2015 when they lost from uh february 20 or february 21st to march 3rd they lost seven games in a row then um the team's longest losing streak although it's kind of Eh, I don't know if I count it really. The team's longest losing streak is 14 games, but that's actually straddled across two seasons. Does that make sense? So like they lost games to end the year. They lost games to begin the year. And so this cycle of seven, seven. Or sure, whatever kind of split, right? Five, whatever, yeah. So if you don't include that season or, or instances like that, the Blue Jackets' longest losing streak in one singular season is nine games. So um, last time that happened was in 2014 uh, when the Blue Jackets started the season with an – oh, my God, I don't remember that. That, that brutal. What? Did we really? Okay. I'll take, a, I'll take this website's word for it. I don't remember that. No, we certainly did. Because contextually, no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> what did you say? I said, you need to say what you're talking about because I don't know what you're... It says that, like, we lost nine games in 2014 to, like, start the season, and it, I just don't remember that. I remember the year after that, we, we literally lost our first eight, and that was the year that Tortorella got hired, but I don't remember the year before going on such a skid because we actually... I think we no, we didn't. I was gonna say I think we made the playoffs that year, but we did not. That's the year I think we drafted Zach Wierenski. Mm. So yeah, I mean it's just like obviously a low point for for the Jackets. Um now I'm curious about like what I don't know how I can figure this out. 
I'll I'll throw it back over to you to to go on with yeah. other points. I mean, it's just it's yeah, it's it's frustrating, but it's also like you know, we knew that this was going to happen. I think it just hurts more to like see it in real time like last night actually seeing us fall to eighth place and for me and I know I know I don't know the real pain because I I haven't been around since day one but for me this is the first time in my being a fan of the Blue Jackets that they have fallen so far from grace and to literally see and it's also one of those things but as you're learning to be a fan and you like you know pretend to talk shit about other teams like you're always like well at least we're not Detroit fucking Detroit is better than us at this point and that fucking sucks yeah Um, do you want do you want me to hurt you this is what I wanted to look up to say it out loud because I was curious about like what this was because I think it's an interesting thing to share. Um, mm. So the Blue Jackets, if the season were to end today, this would be statistically the third worst season in franchise history. Awesome. Yeah, the first worst being the second year of the franchise's existence. They finished with a win percentage or a points percentage of 348. And then their fourth year, they finished with a uh, win percentage of uh, 378. And so this year at 406, uh, that would be uh, the first time that they had a win percentage. Uh, um, oh, I lied. I lied. This would be the fourth worst season because in 2012 they had a 0.396. They're going to get to that though. Like, I mean, like I, I can't imagine a way in which like they don't find a way to, to make this even worse than it already is. I mean, they have two games at Tampa Bay. They come home for what could be a reprieve against Detroit, but like, that's not a guarantee. Like, no, because I think Detroit's feeling themselves. They're like, for the first time in years, not in last place. I don't know. They're usually in a division with Buffalo. They're usually, they have some some support. And they usually have a friend down at the bottom, which is a, a plus for them. Yeah, it just, it's a bummer. But do you know what's wild? We don't talk about it enough, but quietly Oliver Bjorkstrand, even in a 56-game season, is about to have his best season of his career in terms of points. I love him. I do, too. I mean, I think he's been a shining light throughout this whole season. I mean, I, I know he's had a few, you know, slow points, but overall. Yeah, but he's he's been the most consistent of – forwards on our team I would say um and definitely in points too but I mean before Boone got injured too I mean Boone doesn't always get on the score sheet but Boone was very consistent in his play and his you know ability to like help the team and you know, he and Oliver are very similar in that. Cam Cam has those 
moments in good seasons, but my favorite, my favorite boy has not had a great, great time um, this season, but, you know, we've been talking about player development and, you know, we have had some opportunities these last two games um, where a few more new guys um, or guys who don't get as much opportunity have been able to be out on the ice. Um, and so that's been, that's been good. I, I do like seeing Josh Dunn getting the opportunity to, you know, to feel his way through some NHL games. Um, and, you know, Zach Dalby gets another goal. I do love every time I do love when he scores because his smile is just so lovely and it does slightly take the pain away um you know but you know Jack Roslovic gets gets another goal this evening and you know these are these are the the players that well maybe not Zach Dalby but like these are the players that are gonna be what we build upon and so it's important that they get these moments, even if we're, even if we don't win games, um, it's important that they get these opportunities and they get the opportunities to try. Um, it's just, I know it can be disheartening for them to have these moments and to get the ability to try, but then still just get run over in every game. Like, cause then you have, you have these moments like I people keep talking about when's Cole Sherwood going to get his first NHL goal and I'm like he's going to get his goal but then we're still going to get murdered so it's not even going to matter like you know because that was the same with I forget who it was oh god I forget who it was this season who got their first goal but we still lost it was a defenseman Gabriel Carlson, maybe? Uh, it was Gabriel Carlson. Yeah, early early on in the season, got his first NHL goal, and we had lost pretty decently that night. And he was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter because we didn't win, but here we are. Um, so, yeah, it's just disheartening overall. It's disheartening to know that, 98% sure that this is John Tortorella's last season with the Blue Jackets and this is how it's how it's ending um you know but the other thing that's giving young guys the opportunity to to be out on the ice is the fact that Max Domi was a healthy scratch for the second game in a row this evening um as he continues to be punished for his inability to control himself on the ice. Duh. That's what I, I have to say about the situation. No, I I don't know. I This is my soapbox, and it's probably an inappropriate soapbox, and I will own that. But I can understand scratching him for a game to be like, hey, dude, like, you, you can't you can't just beat the shit out of people who are not saying that they would like to have the shit beaten out of them. Like you can't just hit people and, and go buck wild. However, I 
the Blue Jackets, if my memory serves me right, I mean, this is a suspension, right? Like, I mean, like, it's ignorant to say that it's, it's, I don't think it's a reflection of his play. And if we're sitting here and we're saying that we need to try to develop people for the future and like try to figure out what we have moving forward, he has to play. Like he has to be a part of that development. It's inappropriate if he's not. And so this is a suspension. And to me, I watched, I watched Sergey Bobrovsky like quit on the team and literally leave the team after being pulled in Tampa Bay after a game. And I watched him be suspended for one game. Um, and I don't think there's a place for Max Domi to do what he's done over the course of the last few games. Like I'm not like excusing it, but what I'm saying is like his reaction to me is almost like the opposite where it's like an over passion. It's an over frustration with what's going on. And that's what's manifesting and that's what's showing. And I, would love for him to rein that in, like to to manifest that in other ways. But I would rather have that than have somebody literally quit on the team. And so I wish that somebody would step in here and say, you need to, I don't know why I'm saying someone. I wish Yarmo would say, John, you need to play him now. Because if he doesn't start in that game against Tampa, I mean, it's just, it's just blatant irresponsibility at that point. I mean, it's the same, we talk about like, this point, the season is no longer to, to make points. Like, we're past that. Like, there's no more moments of, like, redemption. It's just go yeah. out there and grind through it and try to figure something out. Yeah, and, you know, there's, there's something, to, again, like you said, there's something we said for, you know, a singular game for him to sit out, you know, to go over – because yeah, it's not it's not cool how he's been acting on the ice. And I tweeted it yesterday from our account, you know, the mixture of frustration and passion is entirely understandable. But not being able to control that is something that needs to be handled. And it needs to be something in which that when this is when whatever this quote unquote punishment or consequence or whatever is over that it makes him a better pro moving forward that he understands like the passion is good the fr- the frustration is understandable you just need to find a way to balance it as a professional that's not going to continue to hurt the team because as of right now max is still going to be a blue jacket he signed a two-year contract, so he is with us. He should be playing because he needs to start. We need to start developing him to get him going in this organization. You know, but we're, yeah, we're now just kind of rubbing his face in it. And I think that two games was a bit too much. Um you know, it just, it just is, it is what it is. And I, you know, I also said like, this is definitely what you and I refer to in, in our field of work as a teachable moment, because it is, but after a while, they stop paying attention to the consequence. So you need to like get them back into the routine so they can take what they've learned and move forward. So 
Yeah, if Max doesn't return to the roster for Thursday's game against Tampa, like, that's a bigger issue. And, you know, he just, he needs to be out there playing. He's a young guy. He's still learning. Like, because I think people forget that too, is like, Max is still really young. Like, he, you know, he's one of the younger guys in the league and has stuff to learn. Like, you know, he also needs to, you know, establish his own himself as, you know, a person, like they're always comparing him to his dad or, you know, all those sort of stuff. Like Max just needs to to figure out who he is and who he's going to be on this team, but he can't do that if he's not playing. So. Yeah. And I almost wonder though, like, then there's the other part of me that's the cynic where I'm like, honestly though like maybe don't let him play and I don't say that because like in order to punish the player I say that because at what point is Max Domi playing in a John Tortorella system actually stunting his development maybe that's dramatic (laughs) but I'm just like it's clear that that doesn't work with him it's clear that it doesn't work with Patrick Laine and and I know that like earlier this week there are some reports that you know Nick Nick Felino had mentioned that Patrick Line, he thought that he actually liked, you know, the environment and the and the way that things went in Columbus was just struggling to to find his rhythm and things like that. I don't know if that's true or not, or if that's just Nick trying to save face for his folks, whether that be the coach or the players. But um but yeah, I, it's just fascinating to me, this whole situation. I mean, I this season. I cannot wait for us to not have to like have headlines based on who's scratched or have headlines based on off the ice drama with a player wanting to be traded. Like that needs to calm down for like a long time. Cause I I'm tired of it. Like, I just want them to play hockey and I have to like, could you imagine this season if it were 82 games, like with everything surrounding what's happened this season, could you imagine an 82 game season with this? No, like I was with Megan tonight talking with her about it and you know I said I normally dread the end of the season like the idea of the season ending normally makes me so sad like just sort of like so sad to think about having to not really I guess it is a routine especially this year but like to remove this thing that brings me so much joy from my life you know, it coming to an end. But right now I'm like, God, I can't wait. I really can't wait until it's over because it's becoming more, Jeremy and I always say to each other sometimes whenever we're we're commenting on each other's life experience, like helping or hurting. Like, are, are we helping or hurting ourselves right now? And right now we're hurting ourselves. And I want to start working on the future and moving towards what I, as a person who is not athletic at all and knows like a bare minimum about hockey, um, what I, what I feel like this team can be and, you know, the, yeah, just back to, and I'm sure all the other team, all the other divisions, whoever is in eighth place or out of a playoff spot, I should say, in those divisions is feeling similarly. 
Um, but for us, this, you know, this, this massive fall from grace is hard. And it was even harder yesterday. Allison Lucan tweeted a picture of them removing Nick's face from Nationwide. And I know I'm the one that's like overly dramatic all the time and like clearly an emotional roller coaster as a person. But like, I honestly cried because it was just so sad to see them take like his face off of the building and like remove his like presence from, and I know, I mean, obviously like, I know he's not still playing for us. Like he's fucking dressing as a maple leaf on Thursday. And, you know, but I also listened to part of the podcast that he did this week and still talking about the team and torts and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the players, even themselves have been talking about how taking away Nick and, you know, Savard and Nash too, um, really kind of cut the heart out of this organization right now and you know to have that like come down was really just really sad um and it makes these losses like even harder for me as the emotional fan um but I mean Cameron's still up there so I guess they should be happy about that not for long if he keeps not existing. That's I don't not- want to go there. Like I don't even want to hypothesize. No, there's no point in hypothesizing because his trade value would be such ass right now. That would be so not great. What's that? I said thank you for that. <laughs> the real question though is, do I watch Nick Felino's debut as a as a maple leaf on Thursday, or do I watch the Blue Jackets get pummeled by the Lightning? Oh god. List of things that are taking way too long to answer. I was like, I can only watch the one because I don't have access to the other games. So I'll give, if you, you, I'll give you my NHL login. I will watch the Blue Jackets fail miserably. Although maybe they won't, because honestly, the team we've played the best against this whole season has been fucking Tampa. So, but we're also missing a lot of those key components of who played well against Tampa. So it's Thursday's going to suck. It's just going to suck because we're also playing David Savard on Thursday. Oh yeah. I didn't even think about that. Who just celebrated his 600th game in the nhl that is the second time this week i forgot about david savard kelly texted me and reminded me that i had said that on the last podcast i said with all due respect i've forgotten about david savard being traded oops all right so you heard it here first the blue jackets are bad at hockey um 
and there's no there's no way around that there's no no way to argue that i dare you to try do we have two more do you have tickets for two more games i technically have tickets for three more games but i think i'm gonna have to miss one so very excited to to sell that game for 30 cents <laughs> um which i would blame nobody at that rate but um yeah so the blue jackets are bad um you know the one thing that i want to touch on before we wrap up and it's it's not hockey related but i would be remiss if i didn't mention it especially um you know, in this in the city of Columbus, and knowing that a lot of our listenership might be folks from Columbus, um, you know, we're recording this podcast episode on the day um, that uh, the murder of George Floyd uh, was found guilty on all three counts related to to his killing, and and as that verdict's being read, um, uh, a young girl, a young black girl in Columbus, uh, Micaiah Bryant. Um, lost her life um, as a result of a police-involved shooting. And that's weighing heavy on both Laura and I's heart tonight. Um, You know, obviously, um, you know, you can think what you want about the situation um, and you can draw conclusions from the situation, but ultimately, like, we as people and, like, we as citizens of a global society, like, need to pressure for, for change and for reform. Uh, to make sure that that folks aren't losing their kids to, you know, police police brutality or to police-involved shootings, and, and it, it, there's just got to be a better way, folks. Like, and I, and I hope that I hope that I'm speaking to your heart. Like, and I hope that you you don't see this as a political issue because it's not like politicizing black and brown bodies is is not something that should be happening in moments like this. Like, so I just that's weighing heavy on our hearts tonight. And we just wanted to say um, that our thoughts and prayers are, are with Micaiah's family and with the Bryants. And, um, you know, while, while accountability was served, it's, it's inaccurate to say that justice was served today in the case of George Floyd, because justice would mean that George Floyd was, was still here. Um, you know, perhaps that's a step in the right direction, but it's hard to see that today in Columbus. So, um, Laura, I, I just wanted to give you space to, to say whatever you needed to, and we can wrap yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Jeremy and I are very much so on the, like, we 100% are on the same page uh, with the situation in, in, you know, our country and, you know, to, to, to slightly bring it back to, to hockey, which, which brought everyone here today. Um, I, I really want to see a better effort from the Columbus Blue Jackets, from all levels, players, front office, organization leaders, um, to start doing the work and to start being better examples and using their platform 
um, to be a voice for change and to be better um, for the young kids that are are looking up to these players and this organization and who are in our community. Um, Micaiah Bryant was a child. She was a child who lost her life tonight. Um, and, you know, the Blue Jackets have always, at least in, in my knowledge, always towed the line of, uh, like, will show support, but not really show support, will make it kind of look like we're on that side, not on that side. Um, some players will say things occasionally, you know, a good chunk of them posted a black box over the summer, but it's not enough. It's not enough and it's not enough for them to all have platforms for the organization to have a platform um, to be in the city of Columbus, which is arguably one of the fastest growing cities in this country, um, where there are a lot of things to celebrate as far as diversity is considered as a city, but there's also a lot of work that needs to be done. And for an organization that touts being as dedicated to the community that it is, the Blue Jackets aren't doing enough. And so this is my call to the organization, to the players, to the fifth line. We have to do better. And when we do better, we will all do better. So yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, I, and I appreciate that call to action because it has to happen, right? And. And, and the the only silence that was broken by the Blue Jackets was retweeting the NHL's piss poor statement that fails to mention the name of George Floyd, that fails to mention what the issue at hand is. I'll, I'll read, I'll read, I'll leave you with the National Hockey League statement on today's verdict. While we hope that the end of a trial offers a chance for healing, we remain committed and actively engaging uh, too actively engaging in the movement for equality, and we invite our fans to join us in supporting systemic change. It doesn't name the issue. It doesn't, you know, name the victim in the case. It doesn't pay respects to George Floyd. It, it just is is the most vague, piss-poor statement I, I could have ever read in a situation like this, and I'm just so disappointed that this is the way in which the Blue Jackets are choosing to, to voice their thoughts and opinions on it, and um, I, I hope that I hope that you're right. Like I hope this is a moment for for the team and for the players and for the fans to to recognize that we have to be better. Um, I would also just encourage everyone to uh, in the last week or so, the Black Girl Hockey Club has released their data and statistics from their Get Uncomfortable campaign, which is a which is a pledge uh, for hockey fans across the globe to commit to. Uh, doing the work of anti-racism and um, advocating for Black folks in hockey, specifically Black women in hockey. And so um, I highly encourage you all to take that pledge if you haven't already to commit yourself to being a better advocate, ally, and supporter of 
of black folks in all spaces, especially the spaces that, uh, you know, we fill together as hockey fans. So please do that. Um, I will be sure to post ways that you can do that. And we'll continue to post ways that you can do that on our social media platforms. You can follow us at subjectively pod. Um, but until we get the chance to, to talk to you all next time, please just do your part to make the world we live in a better place. Uh, advocate for those around you and we'll talk to you all soon.